When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is CJ Graham, Jason Voorhees, Friday the 13th, Part 6, and you're listening to Canned Aired Podcast. everyone and welcome to another episode of Can Dare, your tribute to pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I am Randy Hardenbrook. And joining us today, we have the star and the executive producer of the fan film Crow, which is uh, their unique take on like the classic comic and uh, film series The Crow, which as anyone knows is badass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we welcome actor, pro wrestler, stuntman, Justin Maine to the show. Justin, thank you so much for being here, man. Hey guys, thank you for having me. I appreciate you uh, having me on and uh, you know shooting the shit with you guys for the next you know 45, 50 minutes. Well, we love it, man. We're looking very forward to it, <laughs> especially after seeing that movie. It was cool, but we got to talk about that a little bit later because first in our retro roundtable, uh, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite Halloween seasonal like foods, television shows, specials, or events, or whatever it may be Halloween related that you like to do to get you in the Halloween mood. It's spooky season, people. Come on. Yes, that it is. <laughs> that it is. <laughs> and so before we do anything, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandarePod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And if you like what we're doing and you want to show some support, head over to CandarePodcast.com where uh, you can click on our merch page where there's all kinds of new t-shirt designs by Joshua Bellis that look freaking awesome. Yeah. Hoodies, too. Hoodies now? Yep. Oh, shit, we're going big time. Moving on up. That's right. Moving on up. Beanies and hats also. See, we're going to keep you warm, guys. We're heading into the cold season. We want to keep you warm and get a little scratch at the same time. Uh, Or you can head over to our Patreon uh, page, patreon.com forward slash candarepod, where for $5 to $10 a month, you get access to a slew of uh, extra content that the normies aren't getting. uh, How much is a slew? That's a good question. I don't know. It's probably a metric <laughs> shit time. So. We'll just go with the metric shit time. <laughs> what am I forgetting, Randy? Uh, first of all, it is spooky season, so if you have any uh, spooky stories, please get with us because we want to do a big Halloween episode where we tell it. So you got something, let us know. And check yep. us out on evergreenpodcast.com. Halloween episode is coming along nice. We got three, three, four in the bag so far. Mm-hmm. So a few more, and we're going to have an awesome episode for you guys. Yeah. Can't wait. But. All right, well, let's just kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. Here we go! I'll be back. (laughs) All right, gentlemen, our favorite Halloween seasonal anything. Randy, kick us off. All right, so this was a big part of my childhood because we would get a set every year. But you guys remember like the little shitty like safety pumpkin carving kits that had like a little 
tiny orange knife that had like little spades. No sharp edge. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 yeah like safety scissors that you like would like bend every time you're like trying to fucking carve it in the pumpkin. I don't know. I was gonna say it, it, you're not stabbing anything with that thing. No, no, no. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna snap in half every time. That's how. That's what happened to me when I was a kid, man. I just poke it. Oh, broke it. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It snap there. off like in the pumpkin. He'd be like, "Fuck." Yeah. Butter even, knife is more lethal. Yeah, I was gonna say even the butter is safe around this. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it also had like stencils you could put like on the pumpkin and take like this little pin, which the yes. pin was probably more dangerous than the fucking cutter. But like poke holes in it to do like the pattern, and then you could cut and yeah. Well, just... they use like a rolly thing now too. Like it's you you roll it over the design as opposed to just poking like singular. I've holes. seen that. It's like a little uh... wheel with spikes on it that sets the pattern yep. for you to cut. Yeah, it's like a pizza cutter, but like with little spikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. <laughs> it's like it perforates the pumpkin, so you can just punch it out instead of. Like yeah. paper punch. Back in my day, we had to stab the fucking pumpkin. <laughs> yeah. I remember years ago, I uh, did one of those. I got Luke Skywalker's face and spent a lot of time on the pumpkin, and it came out really good. But it was just watching all that hard work begin to rot. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I don't think I'm going to do that again. <laughs> they were cool, though. I don't, does anyone still have, like, carving pumpkins? I know you do, oh, yeah. probably because with the kids and all, mm -hmm. but... About you guys, not me, because um, Halloween we weren't allowed to do Halloween because it's worshiping the devil at my house. So <laughs> I only ever went trick or treating a handful of times. Who would the that, devil? Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Justin? Uh, yeah. Well, now that um, now that I'm a bit of a more of an adult, like car carving pumpkins is more of like the the thing that you know my girlfriend and I do with the kids. So, yeah. Um, it's more so doing whatever designs they kind of like to do, but uh, back. Back in my day, um, <laughs> I always I always like to try something a little unique and clever with the pumpkins that I carved. So I remember one year um, I did. It was back when like meme culture was kind of like big and like you you remember that like smiley meme where it was like the smile was like all the way back here like like that one. Yes, yeah. yes. So there was a I I took that design I carved it onto the pumpkin and then I took a smaller pumpkin and I smashed it into bits and I put it right next to that one to make it look like uh, oh, the cool. meme the meme pumpkin smashed them up. I did something similar uh, the next year with like a T Rex car um like a T Rex uh, skull face on the pumpkin and I I uh, took another smaller pumpkin and I had a, like a big bite mark like like chunked out of it. Oh, so. That's cool. I, I like to do uh, more of those like clever like little things because it, it got people talking whenever they were trick or treating near yeah. like the house and all that. So yeah, it was fun. Now that you say that, I swear to God, I've seen somebody like had carved into a pumpkin a uh, picture of Rick Astley, so you can get Rick rolled off. Of, <laughs> <laughs> off of <pumpkin. laughs> Love that. All right, very good. What about uh, you, Justin? What what gets you in the Halloween mood? Uh, October first. Oh, as soon as it turns October 1st, yeah. Um, no, honestly, uh, I don't know where... Are you guys from Michigan, or where, where are you from? We're in Ohio, Ohio, Columbus. Ohio? Okay, so you're not too far. No. Um, I don't know how it is in Ohio, but in Michigan, um, at least especially in Metro Detroit, like our Halloween stores open up about mid-August. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the moment that those Halloween stars start opening up, like that's that's Halloween season, and it's it's full-on like hold on to your bus type of shit, right? Like, you, yeah. just, you see like a Halloween store on every single corner. You, you, 
you end up just frequenting them because you have nothing else to do. So you're just you're just saying yeah, what they're, every they're fun just to walk through. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I was a kid, like I remember just I, I would remember going to these stores and just being like, you know, somewhat frightened and whatnot. And mm-hmm. as an adult, it's just fun seeing like all the new decorations that come out and like all the new costumes and um <laughs> me being the goth that I am, I like to uh take a lot of the stuff that they sell for like decorations and just decorate my house year round. <laughs> so I want to see your house now. <laughs> We're actually going with a uh I ironically enough a crow and raven and uh magic nice. theme so that's uh, that's kind of the, what we're doing this year but a lot of purples a lot of oranges um we're very big on halloween it's like christmas to us over here oh, yeah. so yep. yeah I, I feel you on that i usually get in a fight with my wife around labor day i'm like hey you know it's time to set up <laughs> i remember a couple of years ago you guys posted on facebook because the kids said something about it so all of a sudden you're 30 totes of mm-hmm. gear all of a sudden had to come up and start getting put out of Halloween stuff? Oh, that, yeah. yeah, we Jesus go all Christ, out, Randy. <laughs> That's wow. the worst part about Halloween, like hauling around those totes, like uh-huh. unpacking and then repacking. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, it, it grows significantly every year. Oh, that's not a world I've got. Oh, I don't know. Not it's not me for either, me. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> if 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 it wasn't for Brooke, I wouldn't even put up a Christmas tree. I just I don't like. That's how it was at Christmas it, you know? too. Yep, but. Alas, we'll, we'll, I'm sure there will be Halloween decorations around this place at some point. I've got extra if you need them. <laughs> I'm sure you do. He may totes. have like five totes for you. Yeah. <laughs> Easy, yeah. The old tired shit. <laughs> we don't want these ones anymore. Yeah, we used this once last year and it's now retired. We have a new theme this year. All right. Jack, what about you, man? Uh, well, back in the day when I used to frequent the mall, since I haven't been to a mall in ages, uh, Spencer's gifts around the beginning of oh, October because yeah. they always had tons of sweet ass masks. And I remember always going there thinking, I'm going to buy that one for what? I have no idea because I, I never know. got dressed up. You but get they it were and just you're like, sweet. wait, why the fuck did I buy this? Am I yeah. just going to wear it at home? Like, what am I going <laughs> to do with this? <laughs> but the cool effects makeup, I would always get that and just tool around and, and mm-hmm. mess with, which was always really cool. I one year went as uh, Heath Ledger's Joker, and I put some time into that shit. Mm. And it ended up looking pretty darn cool. But what sucked about it is at the end of the night, I got home at like 3 in the morning, and I was shit-faced drunk, and I had to take a shower to get it off. You know, I just couldn't go to bed in all that makeup. So that was a downfall. Wake up and look at your pillow, and it's smiling back at you. (laughs) Jesus Christ! (laughs) But, yeah. Do you... um, I don't know if uh, I know Randy probably doesn't. You guys remember Woolworth? Mm-hmm. Randy, do you? I've heard of it. Justin, you remember the store? It was a store called Woolworth back in the day. No, I don't. It was kind of like a. Uh, it was like a Sears, wasn't it? They they were typically, I mean, not always, but the one that I knew was in a mall. It was kind of like a CVS mixed it was like with Kmart, with kinda. a little Kmart yeah, kind of. Yeah, so they just, had like a little cafeteria type deal. In yeah, the mall of it too. They did. Well, um, the one they had in Springfield there at the mall, at Halloween when you'd go in, they had this huge display, and there was this, like, inflatable witch, and she would just, she would inflate slowly and get really big to where she touched the ceiling, and then, like, deflate and go back down, and just kept happening over and over. As she'd get bigger, you'd hear her cackling and shit, and it scared the living (laughs) hell out of me. I was, like, five, maybe, but I remember, like, just dreading going there at Halloween and when that thing was set up I would have to wait at the front of the store 
And then when she would go back down, I'd have to I'd run past in real quick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wasn't about to get snatched by that witch. <laughs> Speaking of like back in the day, and this just jogged my memory, is it me or did all of like the Halloween decorations in the nineties make the same like high pitched like Oh that all those companies probably had a, all those companies probably had the same access to the same sound effects library. So yeah. <laughs> the case. it's like the Wilhelm scream just keeps getting yeah, used yeah. over and over. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Did you have anything else on that? Um, you know, I really don't have a whole lot on my list because I, I, I like I was saying earlier, I don't really do a lot to get into the season. Uh, so one thing I like at Halloween is a podcast called Spooked. It's put on by the people at Snap Judgment. And um, they only do it for, what is it, September and October, and then it's gone all year. But it's kind of like what we're doing with our show, and this is where I got the idea, <laughs> is they uh, just bring people on who have actually experienced stuff and have them tell their story rather than like all these other podcasts that just are reading stories online and then telling you what happened to somebody right. they don't know. You know, those stories I don't really care for, but when it's the person it happened to, that's when they're fun to listen to. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's one thing that uh, kind of gets me in the mood is hearing the theme music to that show. And I just, I love that show. That's, that's one thing for me that really makes Halloween. I'll have to check that out. It's called Spooked? Spooked, yes. It's put on by okay. a Snap Judgment. But yeah, you should be able to find it uh, anywhere you look. It's, it's fun, though. It's good. I mean, not all of them really hit you know, hit on a good note. Some of them are like, ah, oh, that was fucking stupid. But some, <laughs> some are pretty right. awesome. Some are pretty cool. Leave you thinking and wondering, you know? Yeah. There's some good, uh, like horror, uh, style, like true life, like ghost stories. Like, um, I, I think Netflix has one called the haunting oh, or yeah. something like that. I yeah. So like there's, that. there's some good stuff out there. So I'm, I'm always looking for like real life stories that aren't like ghost adventures where bros are just basically like, harassing ghosts <laughs> so the discovery channel discovery app i think it's discovery but yeah they have like a whole paranormal section they have like a haunting they have the the bros you know the jacked bros and, oh my god it's a ghost and uh they've got some pretty cool like celebrity ghost story um series and stuff too so yeah discovery plus i think is i've seen something like that when i when we had uh ernie hudson on the show and i was doing research I found, I think he was on that show, and he was talking mm, about a paranormal yeah. act, uh, experience he had had once in his life. But it was funny because you could just tell in the dude's face that he was just there for a paycheck. Like, he did not <laughs> want to <laughs> Not having it, huh? Yeah. So, but, anywho. All right, that brings us back around to Randy. So, growing up in the mid-90s, I was always, you know, checking out cupcakes and shit like that for school lunch wow i sound like a fat ass checking uh, out cupcakes <laughs> what's that look at them cupcakes so look, like at a, you, look at this when you go shopping on this one. Hey, fuck off when you go shopping with this your parents got you, sprinkles though. i'm gonna mash you so hard into my fucking mouth <laughs> i hate you both <laughs> So, oh. no, motherfuckers, when you go school shopping with your parents to get, like, shit for your lunches, if you packed, you go through the fucking snack cake. You don't fuck you. You anyway, did this shit to yourself. I don't know, don't say do. fuck me. Fuck do. you. And continue your cupcake story. Cupcake. Anyway, mid-90s, around Halloween, they had hostess put out the monster cakes, which they had, like... The, uh, the it was monsters. like with the orange spirals yeah, instead yeah, of and the yeah. sprinkles. So yeah, yeah, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about that now. 
I want to go check out cupcakes. <laughs> Look at Man, you, there's something about frosted on. little bitch. He's, he, you know, Randy's onto something because uh, I'm telling you, there's there's a difference between the orange frosting and then the white frosting of the regular cupcakes. Like, really? Just, I don't you. know what it is. I don't know what it is. It just tastes. It tastes like Halloween to me. It tastes like something different. I don't know what it is, but it's just Justin gets it. I get it. I, I get no, it too. It's probably, it's just, a, it's never... probably a placebo effect, but it is what it is. True. True. I get it too. I, I, I'm not saying I don't get it or think it's silly. You just said checking out cupcakes. <laughs> I've never heard anyone say that in my life. Like so if, I was, see that that meme of was Anthony Anderson staring behind the tree. <laughs> Look at them cupcakes. Damn, I was gonna man. say it's co- it's code word for uh, for checking out a girl like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, checking out them. Cu- I'll cream me your cupcakes, girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. <laughs> That's Randy. You're never going to hear the end of that. <laughs> oh, no. That's 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 here to stay. I'm afraid. I mean, it makes me think of <laughs> foods that you know kind of change themselves for Halloween. Jack, do you remember uh, years ago the Black Whopper? Oh, yeah. oh, shit. oh yeah, yeah, I remember like, that. Wasn't it like a headless horseman commercial or something with that shit? It might have been. I don't remember. It could have been. I, mean, I don't think it's the first time they had done it. But it was the last time I had ever seen him do it. <laughs> yeah. And I remember... The last time I was going to eat one, Yeah, too. we tried one, and yeah, after 12 hours, you're like, yeah, I'm not doing that again. Mm-mm. And then I I had seen a, on social media somewhere, I don't know if it's actually been announced, but they're putting out orange Whoppers this year. Oh, Jesus. Wow. But I, I don't know if that's actually happening or, happening or not. The The... The source looked sketchy. <laughs> I yeah, need my Whopper news to come from reliable sources. Yeah. I'm sorry. Those black Whoppers were disgusting, man. They looked like yeah. Whopper patties surrounded by black mold. It was just... Yeah. Yeah. It did. Oh. yeah. Gross. And then if you ate one, like the aftermath... <laughs> I don't want to get into so it. Like but you had to like, go to the doctor's office. It's like when, like, like when a kid eats those little like pellets that you color your Easter eggs with. <laughs> <laughs> you drop in your squeezes, and then all of a sudden there's weird colors in the toilet. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. So, so I'm not trying out any more colored whoppers. <laughs> I mean, I guess it did the effect if it was something to be scary for. So I mean, it's Halloween, so you need some food. Spooky and then you green the- shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. End up in the Bright hospital. Green. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So spooky. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> On the same subject, uh, I think uh, Oreos, they do their orange, uh, yes. orange filling, too. So mm-hmm. that's another one, like the cupcakes and like the Whopper and whatnot. Only, uh, I mean, normally those, do they do the do they do they the vanilla one? Or like the, um, what, what flavor is it? Vanilla or, or Graham? But like they have like the blonde like Oreos where it's like, do yeah, they I do that vanilla. Yeah. I think they're no? vanilla. Yeah, so do they... Do that for Halloween, or is it just the chocolate wafer? It's just the chocolate I've seen. They may do the white ones, but I don't know. I've never seen. I, not that I can think of. Mm-mm. No, it's always been the the regular ones with the orange in the middle. That mm-hmm. I can, yeah, that I can think of. Hmm. I don't go Good, check out that... Oreos. Gals, <laughs> 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 those little bitches look tasty. <laughs> have you seen how many flavors they have though? They come of up Oreos? with a new flavor. Oh yeah! Every week there's like a different flavor. I think the last one I saw was like, um, oh my god, it was like the weirdest flavor not too long ago. Oh, uh, churro! They had like a churro flavored 
flavors. Like Oreo, but there's like yeah, there's like hundreds of different flavors, and they're like some of them are seasonal, some of them are uh, like limited edition. Um, but yeah, it no, they have like a thousand of them. Kit Kat's got flavors out the yin yang too. Oh yeah, oh, I'm sure Oreo pumpkin spice some shit out. <laughs> oh yeah, really quick. Oreos did like for Fourth of July, they did Oreos, but they had pop rocks in them. Like in the frosting. Really? Oh, yeah. Really they were kind of those were good. I tried that. Those were actually pretty good. Yeah, those are the bomb. So you have like sparks in your mouth while you're eating your Oreos? Yeah. Like it would, yeah, it would crackle like regular Pop Rocks. Wow. <clears throat> I don't know how I feel about that. I checked them bitches out too. I'm sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> Diabetes. I'm never Girl, going to a grocery store. Let me see them Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> how would that work with it? Like, because I've taken Oreos and I'll throw them all in a glass and pour milk in them and then eat them with a spoon. Oh, that what? Make your milk You're a fucking cereal? psychopath. Oh, yeah. Really? Like yeah. cereal? I'm thinking just like Kind of, yeah. Isn't it just but, like mush? Well, once you get to the bottom of it, yeah. That's the best part, though. So, wait, wait, wait. Are you crumbling up the Oreos, or are you no. eating them like... No. What? Yeah, How just... big... Like, is your spoon like a spatula? How the fuck does that work? <laughs> no, it would just be That's a like glass. A <laughs> I mean, it was just... I don't know. He takes like a cauldron and just spins it. They'll love this brew. I didn't make it up. I just ate it. My friend made no, it. No, I've heard other people say that in the past. I, I mean, I, I can see why it would taste good, but just the the the, the texture of all that slop in the bottom of the bowl, I, I couldn't do that. I like the crisp bite of an Oreo. I like to dip them in milk, but I like I like the crunch to them. Oh, and I like the little bit of softness. That's when it sucks up the milk, yeah. Yeah, a well, little bit. Not too much. It has to, has to have that crisp break to it. I don't like to chew. I just press it to the roof of my <laughs> mouth. Just, he eats like a duck. He just swallows everything whole. He's like gum and an Oreo. <laughs> oh, man. Like, when it comes to Oreos, I can only do the originals. The thin ones, no. don't like them. The double stuff, it's too gross. Much. Too it's much too icing. much. Yeah. Right, what's your position on Chewy Chips Ahoy if they even make those anymore? Now, those things were the shit when mm -hmm. I was a kid, but as an adult, same kind of thing. Like, man, this shouldn't be chewy yeah. like this for sitting on the shelf. They <laughs> like, don't, what's going on here? They don't absorb enough milk. <laughs> That's what I like. like cookies float. and milk. Yeah, they, you got to sit there and hold it for too long, and it's still just... Yeah. We're really tackling like a some weird... important shit here today, aren't <laughs> yeah, we? Right, absolutely. <laughs> On the topic of the Chips Ahoy, though, there, you know, there's a weird chemically taste to it. I've noticed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. When, like I, when I had a taste. it, yeah, it's just like it doesn't even taste like a cookie anymore. It tastes like the thought of a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean like it, like if an alien were to make a cookie and he's like i think this probably tastes like a cookie and then you try it and it's like yeah it, it, but it doesn't it, 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 it's so completely like ass backwards from what a cookie should taste like and it just i, I can't get over like the it almost, it's almost like plastic yeah, I yeah, know what yeah. you mean. Yeah. Like a weird plastic taste to it. I'm not the biggest. I'm probably never going to get sponsored by Chips Ahoy, so fuck. But, <laughs> um, not going to get that sponsor money. Fuck. <laughs> At least the ice cream money's coming in. Right, though. right. <laughs> hey, it's oh, so Bill. funny though. Hire me. The thought of a the flavor of a cookie. Like, what does that taste like? Cookie? Well, no shit. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> what else? Is like hot dogs. It should. It's like a little like, question in that. What was it? Um. Miss Fields, like that was a yeah. That's a good cookie. Mm -hmm. That is a good um, cookie. Famous Amos makes a good cookie. Too. Famous yeah, really Amos. Nice. That's what I was trying to think of. Yeah, no, best best bad cookies ever. Yeah, but, absolutely. Eh, Chips Ahoy. Mm, no, I pass. 
And it's weird because with the Chips Ahoy, it's not all of them that taste like that. It's like you were saying, it's only the ones, and it's probably the chemical that makes them still soft. It's a soft one. It's, yeah. It's yeah. only the soft one. Yeah. I can the almost taste it now fine. that you've said that. <laughs> That's what I've been sitting here thinking about it too, yeah. Man, I'm going to have a lot of taste to wash out of my mouth after this. <laughs> Black Whoppers, chemical cookies, yep. Randy's <laughs> cupcakes he's been drooling on. The Oreo cauldron. <laughs> I hate you guys. Every time I'm going to do that now, I'm like, oh, it's hey, not going to be the same anymore. If you're going to sit at this table and dish it, no. you're going to sit here and take it. That's right. You can, you can come check out cup, cupcakes with me. Yeah. I'm never going grocery shopping with either of you guys. All right. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to add before we moved on? I just had, I just wanted to pose a question to mm -hmm. all of you because. I've seen multiple commercials growing up between either Coors Light or Bud Light being the official beer of Halloween. Coors Light had Elvira. She did a whole like. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. Um, and then Bud Light did like a whole multiple commercials about them being the official beer of Halloween. So in your opinions, Coors Light or Bud Light this Halloween? I will always lead toward Coors Light over Bud Light. Um, so that's where my vote is. But but where are these people getting their official official title from? Like who who deems an official beer of Halloween? Who's right. in charge of? It sounds like self proclaimed uh, well, yeah, title. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, if you listen to the commercials and believe I don't the think there's like a spokesman of Halloween that's going to come out and be like <laughs> the official beer. <laughs> mm. I have to go towards Bud Light because I never liked Coors. Never, never, never. Bud Light messes with my stomach bad. Hmm. Kind of like the Black Whopper does. That's the taste of Coors that I didn't like. Hmm. Well, you don't have to drink it. No. No one's going to make you. And I won't. Not even is, with Is Coors Light the one that has the, the mountains that change color with the coolness? Yes. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think so. I put away some Coors Light this summer. <laughs> <laughs> Not one Bud Light, though. Not one. So that's my answer. Coors that's Light. one thing. I'd cringe watching Cobra Kai because Johnny drank only Coors. I'd just be like, oh, God. No wonder you're a drunk. <laughs> Drinking that nasty. Any beer, beer will have that effect. Yeah, I guess so. Stirring his cauldron of melted <laughs> yeah, cookies. Like, mm -hmm. You should be having Oreos like me. Yeah. <clears throat> what about you, Justin? Do you have a uh, leaning one well, way or the other? You know, I, I, I don't drink, so I don't have like a preferred drink of choice for Halloween. But I, I do remember seeing far more Bud Light Halloween commercials when I was a kid than mm. I do remember seeing Coors Light. So. If I were to if I were to pick one that would be like representative for Halloween, I'd probably say Bud Light. Okay. However, I feel like at least in Michigan, ale is like a pretty big thing over here. So like I would say like a lot of guys over here would say like some sort of like homegrown ale oh, is sure. gonna be their, their their drink of choice for Halloween. Okay. I know a lot of dudes like that sit there and tweedle their fucking mustaches. Well, actually, your, your choice of beer is wrong. And let me tell you why. It's an IPA. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, just, it's all, I'm getting drunk. But I love um, Oktoberfest beers. Like, oh, yeah, mainly yeah. like Sam Adams, but any anyone who puts out an Oktoberfest beer is mm -hmm. typically like like that, that uh, maple taste in mm -hmm. it is, oh, so, so darn good. I have to find you a pumpkin spice beer now, Jared. <laughs> No. There has to be one no out one. there. There has to be out there. No there doubt. No doubt. I'm pretty sure there, there is. No doubt. I think we that might uh, lead into the Halloween episode. How so? 
well, we did candy from Japan last year. <laughs> oh, we can want to sit here and drink beer on our episode? I'm down with that. Yeah. That's just yeah. a recipe for disaster. <laughs> that's why I like it so much. <laughs> that's, just, that's just, that is a total recipe for disaster. It's going to be a three-hour show. Idea. <laughs> We'd get done and be like, oh, we never hit record. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be... And then you hit record and continue to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Best episode ever. We'll just tell you what happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We're going to jump to a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Justin Maine about Crow. Stick around. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. If you're a fan of the Nintendo Entertainment System, then you'll love NES Pro Magazine. NES Pro is a quarterly NES-focused magazine brought to you by NES professionals from all walks of life and every corner of journalism and content creation. NES Pro features articles, editorials, and interviews from some of the coolest NES people around. We are also innovating and pushing the boundaries of what makes a gaming magazine by creating new categories loaded with awesome content for our readers. Take a trip into the past with content and collectibles that go beyond your expectations from a gaming magazine. Visit nespromagazine.com to subscribe today. That's N-E-S-P-R-O magazine.com. All right, we are back from commercial break and once again joined by Justin Maine. Dude, thank you so much for being here. I hope you, you're having a good time so far. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I love talking about Oreos and cupcakes and <laughs> <laughs> and Halloween itself. Um, but yeah, yeah no, things you could have never good, expected to be talking about. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> but no, it's been good. It's been good. Well, once again, thanks for being here. And, uh, you know, the movie was awesome. I just have to say out front here, the movie was awesome. I haven't seen the original Crow in a long time. It's been probably since the 90s, I would say. But watching your guys' version was, it was fun. It was, I loved, there was almost a, what was I saying, Randy? Like an artistic... An uh, artistic take, I think is what you... Or an artistic take to it, if that makes sense. But Yeah, it does. Yeah. But bravo to you guys. I want to talk about the film, but I want to hear a little bit more about you first. Where do you come from? What are you all about? How'd you get into acting, man? Tell us about yourself. Oh. Well, thank you uh, for the, the kind words and whatnot. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I've been acting probably, I would say close to 
eight or nine years now um, professionally. Um, wow. I've been involved in the acting field since I was, uh, since I was 16. Um, but I left acting after like a, like a bad experience when I was a teenager. I, I, got, um, I got scouted out and invited to an open call. I was hanging out with a couple of friends at a mire and this agent came up to me. He's like, hey, you have a good look. You should go to this open call at my agency. And so I go there and I went there with my mom and you know, they, uh, I didn't know anything about acting or how it worked or how agencies work. So I ended up signing up for their, um, for their agency and then paying all their fees to uh, get represented, oh. which come to find out that is not how the business works. And, uh, once I found that out, we, we were out, you know, several hundred dollars. I was, you know, yeah. was, okay, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So I got into, I got into pro wrestling for a while. Um, and then, uh, in 2014, I found out that a movie that is near and dear to my heart called Jurassic World uh, was filming in uh, New Orleans. So, you know, my dream as a five-year-old was always to go to Jurassic Park. So I applied oh, for it. Right there with you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I applied for it and I didn't think I was going to hear anything back. And, and I did, surprisingly. Um, now, I'm not made out of money. Um, the only way I was going to get cast is, is if I was to uh, fly down to New Orleans and attend a casting call. So I... Talked to a couple of friends of mine and I told them the situation. They're like, man, if, if you don't, you don't go down there, this is going to be something that you're going to regret for the rest of your life. So I, uh, I made the choice and ironically enough and uh, serendipitously, I, I don't know, if, I, I don't know if you guys believe in that type of stuff, but, um, the casting call was on my birthday, March oh, 20th. Wow. Yeah. And I flew down there. I told the, I told the casting director, um, just my story that I'm from Michigan. Uh, it's my birthday. You know, it's always been my dream to be a part of like Jurassic Park. Sure. And uh, about a month later, um, I got an email back and they said that we had been chosen as uh, part of the, the extras for the film. And I remember just like throwing my phone and yelling, <laughs> and screaming. It was greatest experience ever. But sure. um, yeah, we got, we got to shoot for like six days. I was there for 10. And uh the moment I stepped on a set, I started crying. Like I, I like literally that. broke, I broke down into tears. And from then on, I, I knew I like, I, that's what I wanted to do for a living was to be an actor. So it's so weird because I, you know, I'd been on sets before I had done Red Dawn as an extra too. And I had done student film. So I, I knew, you know, how the acting game worked, but like Jurassic world was like $150 million budget film. So like you step on a set and you just see this yeah. entire world around you. You see like, um, you know, uh, Owen, Owen, or, um, Chris Pratt, you see Bryce Dallas Howard, you, you know, you see the director, you see like a, a thousand extras, you see like dinosaur puppets and stuff like that. And you're just like, you're like mind blown <laughs> by the experience. So it was, I mean, I, I just, it, it was everything I had, I had hoped it would be and more. And, um, you know, I, I made a lot of great memories and moments on that set. Like I, I watched some fun stuff and, I almost got to do stunts on it, but I didn't have my SAG after card. So, uh, darn. Um, but cool. no, it was still, it was, yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> I found one of the stunt guys and I told him, like, I had um, experience as a pro wrestler. So, if they needed anybody to, you know, fall or take a hit or something like that, I could do that. Right. Um, he's like, oh, that, that's cool. That's cool. Well, you know, after lunch, I'll introduce you to the, uh, the stunt coordinator. I didn't realize how big the stunt coordinator was. His name is Chris O'Hara. Um, he had done stunt work and stunt coordinating for movies like Mission Impossible, right? Like oh, he had okay. done like big time film. 
So me being, you know, this fucking, this dumb little kid. Well, not, I wouldn't say I was a little kid, but this dumb adult that was just like, doo, 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 doo. hey, <laughs> you know, I could do stunt work for your film. Uh, you know, I have a pro wrestling background. I've been a pro wrestler for like nine years now. I could do a follow-up. You need, if you need anybody, I, I, I'm more than willing to do something for you. And he's like, oh, that's great. You got a SAG aftercard? And I looked at him like just with this blank stare. I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, but yeah, from then on, I made it like a life mission to get my SAG after card. And, um, a couple of years ago, I finally did. So, nice. right on. so yeah, very cool, man. Now you, you've mentioned twice about, uh, pro wrestling. Can you tell us about that? I mean, we're talking like WWE kind of stuff, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So what, what I, was, were you like one of the wrestlers? Were you a, another character? What were you doing? So um, I worked mostly independently as a pro wrestler. I, I'd done uh, a few appearances for WWE in the past on SmackDown and Raw and stuff like that. But, um, but for the most part, I was an independent wrestler. Okay. And uh, I, I got into it after I got out of acting. I, I still wanted to entertain, but I just I was just really turned off by the acting business at that time. So um, I tried to figure out like what would be like the best route for me to to pursue. And since I was a pro wrestling fan, I thought, eh, what, well, why not? So sure. I found a, a local promotion. Um, and I got in the old school way. I helped, I toured with them, helped them set up the ring, helped them tear down. And then in between before the show would start, like I get pulled into the ring and, you know, learn some moves and how to hit the ropes and to take a, what we call a bump mm-hmm. on the, on the mat. And about a year after that, I got, like a full on 12 week coursework training, uh, for pro wrestling. And, you know, I just kind of pursued it very heavily ever since. Um, but it was, it's, it's, it, it, it's such a very interesting business. Um, Isn't it though? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I liken it to the wild west. A lot of the rules that you think shouldn't apply, apply in pro wrestling. And, <laughs> like, um, like what kind of rules? Like, what do you mean? <clears throat> Uh, well, for example, if you don't shake everybody's hand before and after the show, like when you get there and when you leave, there's a good chance that you're going to get what's called heat, uh, from the guys in the back. And he equates to basically shit talking. So like, uh, guys will, you know, talk behind your back and shit talk you to other promoters and other bookers like, Oh, this guy didn't shake my hand or actually better yet. If you shake their, their hand too hard. So there's a certain thing called that we call a worker shake and a worker shake is where you hold. Well, I guess your viewers can't really, or your listeners can't really see this, but um, it's a very light grasp of the hand. And this is to basically indicate um, if you're easy and safe to work with, if you do a firm handshake or something similar to that, that indicates to especially old school wrestlers that you're snug or that you hit really hard. Hmm. Um, and a lot of a lot of guys, as as much as they <laughs> try to portray themselves as like these big tough dudes, um, the moment you hit them hard, they don't like it. <laughs> they, don't, they don't like it. They don't like it. See, I, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I like to I like to make it feel and look and you know just seem more realistic. As long as you hit somebody somewhat snug in the right place, it's not going to hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you don't risk injury with it. It's when you start hitting them in the wrong place very hard that like, then you can risk injury. But, you know, some guys just, you know, they can't take a hit or they can't take um, certain moves. And the moment that you 
go a little too too rough with them they start getting all, all pissy and shit so <laughs> it, 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 it is yeah now that's interesting man i've i've I'm not the biggest like wrestling fan, but I would love to see it live. I think that would be cool. Like, to something about watching it on TV doesn't do it for me, but that like, might change my whole thing about it too. It'd be yeah. like hockey. You know, I would never sit at home and watch hockey, but a live hockey game is fun as shit, yeah. man. Yep, definitely. Those are fun. That's funny that you you brought that up because I remember watching hockey on TV and I could just never get into it. Partly yeah. because I literally with the with how white. The, yeah. the ice rink is i can't see the puck going back and forth so I'm, right. i just i just feel like i'm getting lost between the camera movements from side to side <laughs> but when i watched it live i was like oh this is pretty fun this is you know this is a good time and i think pro wrestling is probably very similar to that um there's a lot of things that you don't really get to experience watching on tv that you do in person like the interactions with the wrestlers in the ring you, you don't get the same type of effect in terms of like the hits and the sound like that you oh, would yeah. live like it, it it it's 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 a definitely a i would say a, a much better experience live than it is on tv i want to know what happens during the commercial breaks <laughs> well, we nothing get to see <laughs> <laughs> nothing nothing happens during the commercial really? breaks if, there, if there's a match depending on what point of the match they're at if it's early on in the match, they're probably just bullshitting around. Like one guy will be on the outside, one guy will be on the inside. They're shit talking to each other, and they'll just extend that through the two to three minute commercial break. If they're halfway through the match, then they're probably doing some sort of rest hold where somebody has a submission on, and they're you know just kind of hanging out, waiting you know for TV to come back live, and then as soon as it happens, <laughs> oh here we go. Wow. Um, or if it's like, you know, just like a regular segment, nothing's happening. It's literally just videos that get played the entire time. So it just, uh, I guess it really just depends on what part of the show you're at. But I mean, nothing really happens during commercial break at all. Hmm. The more you know. <laughs> Still want to see it, man. Yeah. I want to see it. Maybe we can all go sometime. Yeah, it'd be fun. Ohio has fun. some good, uh, it has a good wrestling product over there. So uh, there's a lot of great promotions. I know the... You said you're in Springfield, so we're in uh, we're Columbus. in Columbus, yeah. Oh, so you're in Columbus. Okay, so you're probably closest to uh, New Ohio wrestling. Um, so that would be the one I'd probably recommend. Uh, you could also check out um, AIW, which is over in Cleveland. Not the closest, but um, it's not terribly far from where you're at. So uh, those are probably the two I would recommend over in Ohio. You wouldn't happen by chance to know uh, a ring announcer by the name of John Orlando, would you? I've heard the name. Yeah, he's he's a podcaster here in Columbus too, a friend of ours. But he used to do that all the time. If not, I don't know if he still does or not. But he used to do it quite a bit uh, all over Ohio. I think it's a matches. little bit here and there now. Not so. Is it? Not too much though. Yeah. But very cool, man. Well, uh, another thing I wanted to ask you about before we get to Crow is I, I was listening to another interview you did. And I was multitasking, doing something, so I don't know if I heard it right, because I couldn't find it on the IMDb page. But did I hear you say that you had done some kind of work for Power Rangers? <laughs> um, no, not not quite. But it was always my, uh, my childhood dream to be a Power Ranger, and I think that's what bled into me being a pro wrestler, because that was okay. the most likely option. Okay. Um, I ha However, I did audition for Power Rangers one time. Okay. So... Uh, that was uh, that was a fun little experience. I got to make this like little stun martial arts reel, and I had to uh, sell fun. myself as a Power Ranger, even though I was a full grown adult. 
<laughs> a lot of like seek seek yours <laughs> i look young book me please <laughs> but yeah I'm, I'm, i really misheard that i need to stop doing shit when i'm listening to podcasts <laughs> so, my bad man no worries all right let's talk about this movie again it, it's a fan film called crow based it's again a unique take on uh the movie and comic series titled the crow and again, was a hell of a fun watch, and anyone can watch it. It's on YouTube. You can go watch it right now if you want. It was a good way to kick off October for me because that was the first uh, scariest kind of movie. I mean, would, would you put that in the, like the scary movie, or is it action? Would you put it more in like the what I'd genre? Put in a would lot you of say that lies. Honestly, I I put in a lot of genres. Um, yeah, we shot it like a horror film. Um, I wouldn't call it a horror a hundred percent, but there right. are horror elements to it. Uh, right, I would. I would liken it more to be suspense, um, like suspense, action, horror type of stuff, a little mm -hmm. bit of romance. But I mean, that, that's a crow film for you. Uh, they all, they're kind of like a melting pot of a bunch of different genres. Right. So, like, even when we were making it, we were calling it a Western. It's like a, <laughs> a it's like a neo Western with how we had certain things set up in the film, like certain shots. Um, okay. We shot the film similarly to how you would see like different like like little things in like a Western film, like low to the side hip shots, right. um, the wide shots, seeing the sunset in the background, like just it's in a more urban setting. So um, that's the only difference. But uh, but yeah, no, we 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 can we consider it a lot of different genres. Uh, horror being, I would say, a major part of it. Okay, good. I just didn't want to mislabel it, but. Uh, tell us, you know, about the movie. How did it come to you? How did this project come to be? Yeah, so um, I was 12 when I first originally watched The Crow. And as we all know, um, when you're a preteen, you're, you know, going through a gauntlet of emotions and you're trying to figure your life out and you're trying to figure out a whole <laughs> bunch of other things too when you have no idea what the hell you're you're thinking or talking yep. about. So so being an, an impressionable um you know, preteen, 12 year old, I had watched the crow. And I, I was at this point thinking about like different themes, like love and, and revenge. And, mm. you know, evanescence was super popular. <laughs> Fuel yeah, to the fire. Just, yeah. My chemical romance. And I was just feeling all, oh, wow. you know, emo and goth and all sorts of stuff. And, <laughs> you know, it, but it, it really made an impression on me and it really stuck with me. So I started deep diving into like, um, the previous or the other films, like the other sequels, the comics, I started looking up James O'Barr and his his story, and it just it, I, I fully went into the world, and I I loved every bit of it, and I started coming up with all these ideas, and there's like a few in particular that I really wanted to see in a you know in a film that had not been done yet, or even in the comics really, so you know, I'm 12 years old. I started writing out my own little script and I never got to film it. And I put it on the back burner for quite a while until I was about 32. And I was uh, looking for something to, to film. I, I wanted to make something. And we had a local filmmaker by the name of Dylan Sides uh, who had made a fantastic revenge of the mask um, based off of the mask franchise. Uh, okay. He made a fan film that went completely viral. Um, millions of views for I think Revenge of the Mask one and two, and then Rise of the Mask, which is like a prequel, got like thirty six million views. What? They were like, Jeez. yeah, they're very well done though. Uh, good budget, you know, they they look really good. Um, but I talked to them, and I was like, hey, dude, I have this idea for like the crow. Like, what do you think? And he just gave me some advice and you know some of his experience, and 
you know, he told me to go for it and just do it. And I, you know, I talked to a couple of the other friends and we got something going and uh, started having the script writ written out, um, started doing a little bit of pre-production, hired, you know, a couple of people that I worked with previously in the past and, you know, it just kind of snowballed from there. But it was a, it was a, a dream project. It was like a dream come true. Like, right. you know, I, I always wanted to see another crow film come out and with all the, you know, wicked prayer being, you know, a really terrible yeah. film yeah. completely <laughs> like halting the franchise. And then, you know, all the rumored remakes and reboots that never went through, you know, I didn't think I was ever going to see another crow film for, for right. a long mm -hmm. time. So I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to do it myself. If you want something awesome. done right, get it yep. done yeah. fucking self. <laughs> well, that's cool. So, you know, being a, a, as big of a fan as you are, and then, you know, playing this role, what was what was your name? Dean in the film, correct? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Was there any nerves, like, about what the fan base might think of your interpretation? Because that's where I would be. I've thought about, we've had other people, you know, represent... Um, franchises in like either comics or other movies in the past and i just always kind of put myself in that situation like man i hope people like what i'm doing i hope i'm representing it well did that those fears ever come across yeah, i mean yeah absolutely like you you're taking on such a pivotal um character um, yeah. played by just an amazing like performance by like brandon lee like you know, I, I knew from the beginning I wasn't ever going to remake it or do the Eric Draven character, but like so many people take this, um, take the original film especially to heart. Like it's a very important like property to them. Mm -hmm. So right. because of that, like there's a lot of weight on your shoulders. Just do it right and make sure you do it right, especially after the, you know, the sequels just failed to live up to the original. You know, I right. didn't want to be another one. Of, I didn't want to be another one of those films. I was just like, you know, I didn't want to live up to it. Plus, I didn't want to look like a fan film either. I mean, you know, there's other oh, crow doesn't. fan films out there. Thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> but there are there are other crow fan films that, that are out there that look like they're fan films. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, it, it was it felt like a monumental task, but I was trying to essentially block it out because if I would have thought about it and focused on it way too much, then it would have been like psyched it yourself out, yeah. maybe. I think I think that would have played a, it would have played into imposter syndrome, right? Like, okay. I I would have felt like, am I, should I be doing this? And why am I am I right for this? You know, stuff like that. Is this Start the right time? yourself and yeah, a little bit. But you know, I just I kept my confidence, I kept my cool, and I just kept steamrolling through it and just you know doing and and I, all I wanted to really do was two things: tell a serviceable story that um, that crow fans and non fans would would enjoy and then feature local filmmakers and actors from Michigan that needed an opportunity to be seen and just hadn't had that opportunity yet. I wanted this film to be like a, a like a business card for them. So that way, if somebody were to watch it, they'd be like, wow, I want that cinematographer or wow, I want that sound designer. Right. I wanted that to be that project for them. So, you know, just going into it with that type of mindset, like it just, it kind of, it almost put me at ease because I knew if I would have focused on just strictly those two things, we would have been fine, which we were. So, wow. so was this a, a, uh, like a crowdfunded thing? I mean, typically this is like a, a passion project. It doesn't, because I mean, do you guys actually have the rights to the crow or is this just, I mean, or like permission to use the rights, not the actual rights. So you know what I mean? saying. I wish we had studio permission because if we had studio permission, I would have, 
been able to take this a little bit further than where we could. And, and, and from the beginning, I never intended to get a profit on this film. I, I wanted it to be a free, free to watch, you know, this is strictly for the fans, right? Sure. I, I always intended that from the beginning, but it would have been really nice to like be able to talk to the studio and be like, Hey, so I got this idea. How <laughs> <laughs> um, about a little bit of cheddar? By hey, yeah, baby, I can pitch this to you. Let's see if you want to do it. But yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, the funny thing was, is eventually down the line, like one of my goals with the film was to have James Obar see it. You know, if if you guys are familiar, he was the guy who created the whole character, the whole story. So we we finished the film in July 2020, and then we had our first teaser trailer up, like a 30 second teaser in uh, September 2020, that same year. And about a day or so after we had posted it, I had gotten this message from James Obar. And, oh no, um, shit! And he he kept it very short, very sweet. Said very uh, very intrigued. Best of luck. Um, looks good. And I literally, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a sensitive soul. I'm not going to lie. I busted out into tears. I, I liken it wow. to um, cool. like if, if like a Spider-Man fan were to make like a Spider-Man fan film and then Stan Lee, you know, were to see it and be like, wow, great job, kid. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just tell them that like that, like James O'Barr was like that to me. Right. Sure. He was so my... Cool my icon like just story wise so um to be able to get his support and i you know i've had several conversations with him since then and you know he's been very very supportive of the project and very um he's he's loved a lot of uh, pretty much everything that we've we've put online it, it just means a lot and it's almost kind of surreal yeah. because i mean a lot of the time you never expect something like that that to happen it's almost almost like a dream that if you know somebody like that were to see it they would you know love it but like he he does and that was that was cool so hell yeah um, that's cool man wow yeah. that's just validation too i mean you spent most of your uh, well your adult life plus you know so much of your childhood kind of cultivating this idea to see it you know brought into fruition like that right well i mean you put so much energy and and thought and hard work and like i mean it was a pretty smooth filming process despite covid um, but the, the post-production process was what, was what took so long. It was, it was two years of just constant editing, constant, like every single shot in the film, every single scene had an explanation and a reasoning behind it. Cause I, I remember distinctly because in the room, there are three editors, myself included, where we would literally talk about how every shot plays into the overall theme and story of the film. There's nothing that's wasted in there. Like there may seem like there's like random imagery, but there's literally a, a logical and a, um, an emotional reason as to why it's in the film. And for two years, we were just going through that process, figuring out like, how does this link up? What is it saying to us? How do we make sure that it's telling the story appropriately? How can we make sure that it's uh, what we're doing is cohesive to where it's you can follow it but we're not telling a linear story mm -hmm. um it was it was a very very involved and taxing process and there were plenty of arguments that happened but um overall i think it, <laughs> <laughs> overall it overall it worked out for the best um i i'm glad that sometimes in, in filmmaking especially like when it comes to finishing a film um collaboration is hard to come by and some 
people don't know how to like collaborate in that process. And yeah, <laughs> I was fortunate enough to have that, have a team that thrived on collaboration and um, really wanted to just hear everybody else. So I think that's why uh, the film is getting the reception that it is, is because it's, uh, it's an accumulation of different ideas that all cohesively work together. And I just, again, recommend people watch it. And again, it's free. You can just watch it anytime you want. It was a, it was a really good film. Bravo to you, man. Uh, I, I want to watch it again because I know there's things that I probably missed. Like you were saying, there are things in there that may seem like it's not there for a reason, but it's there for a reason. You know, like those kind of Easter egg things you can yeah. pick out. So, and we're the kind of people that need to watch it a second time anyway to get the full. Oh film. yeah, I don't remember <laughs> shit after one watch. It's, I'm a two watch guy. Yeah, but so am I. And that's how we that that's how we wanted to make the film too. We wanted it to be one of those things where if you watch it on repeated viewings, there's always going to be something new that you pick up. Right. Um. And that was that was another intentional thing from the beginning. Um. I wanted to make a film for for people that didn't insult their intelligence. And I felt like, I feel like, especially in today's day and age, like it's, it's almost like film is made for second or third graders as opposed to like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As yeah, opposed to like full grown adults. So I wanted a full grown adult to watch this and be like, oh, I see what you did there. Okay. Ah, okay. That makes sense. And then if you don't pick it up the first time you watch it again, you're like, oh shit, I didn't pick up on that. Like I wanted that type of reaction. Cause yeah. that's what I liked. That's what I like, you know, like, yeah. um, one of my favorite limited series I've ever watched was um, Mike Flanagan's Haunting of Hill House, uh, which is perfect for the holiday or for the Halloween season. But you watch it again and again. I've watched that season probably three or four times now, and there's always something new I'm picking up every single That's time. Awesome. And I've yeah. I study Mike Flanagan. I love Mike Flanagan. He's one of my favorite filmmakers ever. But there's always something new that that you can pick up in every single thing that he does, and um, yeah, I wanted to do that, you know, with Crow. I wanted to reward people for for watching again and again. It, it's it's really cool that people are able to do that. I don't I don't know that I could do that, but it's like playing on the multiple levels of of human interest. You know, you have that that first level that you kind of play to, like where you are taking in the movie for the first time. After you've taken it in the second watch, you know, thinking about where the eye and ear is more inclined to go after having seen it. Like you said, just make those multiple layers that make rewatches more enjoyable. Does that make sense, or am I talking out no, my ass? No, it makes, it makes total sense. sense. Okay. No, a hundred percent. And yeah, that, that's I think a, a great explanation of of what at least what we were trying to do. Um, you know, your your eye gets drawn to this part of the screen, or your ear gets drawn here, but what's happening over here? Yeah. What happened on this part of the wall, or you know, stuff like that. I, I like. I like to be able to um, to be able to play around with the the canvas, so to speak. Well, bravo, man! You did you made a damn good movie. Thank you. Damn Thank good. You. Another thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, I saw on your IMDb, and it looks like this might still be in post production, but it looks like you're uh, going to be a part of a movie called The Windigo. <laughs> the Windigo, yes. Oh, what a <laughs> what a film. Oh my God. <laughs> so we'll just scratch that. Good... that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, honestly, um, filmmaking is never a straightforward experience, right? It never goes perfect. There's always problems that happen. It doesn't matter how, doesn't matter how high or small the budget is. Doesn't matter how large or small the crew is. 
doesn't matter the talent that you have in the project. There's always going to be little things that just happen, right? Mm -hmm. um, Wendigo was one of those experiences. However, I personally had a great time on set. Um, I met a lot of great people, a lot of real... My cats are mean right now. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I met a lot of great people. Um, I had a great experience. I learned a lot uh, working on that film. It went through its own little trouble in post-production but um but it is what it is hopefully it comes out soon we've been we've been waiting for it i know i, I still talk with the, the lead in the film marco fuller um quite often and we're both uh we, we're both hopeful that it'll be out soon but um it's a fun little film and we had a we had a great time shooting it yeah i, I want to see it it's only been within the last year i learned what a windigo is yep that's so, actually last halloween I think. last yeah. halloween yep. episode yeah full circle Come full circle. Well, this one's this one takes like the idea and kind of puts a spin on it too, because um, well, number one, it features a lot of like Native American actors, and um, it mm. features very heavily the Native American mythology behind the the Wendigo. So that was a really cool take on it. But it, it's more than just kind of like a, a monster movie of the week deal. Like there's a, a family connection to it. Okay. So um, I like where they went with the story. It's a very well written script. It's it's very. Um, it's a different type of Wendigo film that you than you've probably seen before. And there's been a few different other interpretations of like a Wendigo. Um, I like the the direction that this one goes in. I'm excited. Hmm. I've never seen any Wendigo films, actually. I know there's one called Antler that's been out for a year or two, but um, I've never seen any. So I'm 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 very intrigued to to find out more, but well, man, I want to thank you once again so much for being here. And I want to remind our fans to go to fan, excuse me, crowfanfilm.com, where you can uh, check out more on the movie and then just check it out on YouTube. Can you watch the film on the website, too? Where would you prefer people yes. watch it? Um, well, it's a YouTube link either way. So um, okay. I would say if you're just really trying to find it quickly, go to crowfanfilm.com um, or you could just go to YouTube and search up crowfanfilm and it's from what I understand, the first like film that pops up on there. So yes. um, it's pretty easy to find either way. Very okay. easy to find, yes. And you're on Instagram at uh, Justin Main Official, and mm -hmm. then the, the movie also on Instagram at uh, Crow Fan Film, and on Twitter at uh, Film Crow. Is there anywhere else we should be directing people to check out uh, more about you and this film? Yeah, so um, if you want to find me on social media, um, like you mentioned, my uh, Instagram is Justin Main Official. Uh, my Twitter is Justin Main Off. Um, and my Facebook is the Justin Main. I'm in the process of updating my website, so that should be back online soon. But uh, okay. but that'll be uh, JustinMain.com. As for Crow, um, film Crow on Twitter, uh, Crow Fan Film on um, on Instagram, uh, Crow Fan Film page on Facebook. Uh, those are probably the most active uh, website that we use. And then obviously uh, YouTube.com/slash Crow Fan Film. Very good. Right on. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for being here, Justin. This has been a blast. Yeah, I, I had a great time, man. I love I love this subject. I love Halloween. I love talking about anything Halloween-ish, and you guys are great. So, yeah, again, thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate it. We'll have to do it again in the yep. future, for sure. Absolutely. But until then, Jack, what do we have on the website, sir? Go to CandidatePodcast.com where you can listen, like, follow, subscribe, buy some merch, become a patron, see some YouTube videos, and if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And you can find us on Twitter at CandidatePod and on Instagram at Cand underscore Air and the website Jack was just talking about, CandidatePodcast.com. 
There's a link on there to merch where you can get t-shirts, mugs, stickers, hoodies, windbreakers, beanies. Uh, Keep your cans warm with canned air. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, also there's a link to our Patreon uh, page on there where there's tons, hours and hours of entertainment for you guys to listen to. We just put up our most recent episode of the Candare Patreon pod, pod called You'll Never Believe What Happened 3, where we just let the listeners in on things we would never, stories we'd never tell on this show. Mm. So <laughs> you got to pay to go hear that stuff. Yep. But, Ooh. Uh, yeah. yeah. See? <laughs> Justin's is that like the, is that like the Is that like the OnlyFans version of Candare Podcast? Um, yeah, yeah, I minus mean, video, yeah. yeah, minus the video, yeah, sounds it, sexy. Oh, there's a lot of Randy <laughs> checking out cupcakes on there, dude. Oh, I'm sure there is a lot of Randy on there. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> <There's no laughs> uh, what else we got, Randy? Uh, go to evergreenpodcast.com, send us your spooky stories, and I forgot to mention this at the top of the episode if you're in the Columbus area or close to it uh, on November 5th come check us out at the uh, Tour Gaming Expo oh, right. at the yeah. Columbus Convention Center right Jack? Mm, or the Fairgrounds? Yeah, it's Fairgrounds Fairgrounds yeah. Yeah. Columbus Tour is at the Fairgrounds? yeah it's mm-hmm. at the Lodge Building no shit I yeah. thought you were saying it was off Broad Street some- or that's where the other con was happening yes okay nope nope it's where the, the Columbus Toy Show is my feet are going to be hurting that day. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, come see us. <laughs> yes, come see us. It's going to be a great time. <laughs> and even if my feet are hurting, it'll still be nice. I'll, I'll be friendly, I promise. <laughs> All right, uh, I think that's everything. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. We call him Cupcake. I'm Justin Maine. There we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if I was signing off, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and be excellent to each other. are mean, so I'm running away from home. Where are you gonna go? I don't know yet, but that'll show them. <laughs> it sure will. Shipwreck! Parents just don't understand, and it gets lonely on the road, so be sure to listen to the Candair podcast. And now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. This has been a Candair production. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on PressBox Access. 